give you a very warm welcome to our evening service. Whether you're here in the building with us or join us online, it's um, lovely to have you join in with us. Just a couple of things to mention before we start. Um, just to, an encouragement really to remind you that we have uh, Hope Explored starting again this Tuesday. So I'm sure Jane and Martin would really be um, encouraged if we can pray for that event on Tuesday. It's a wonderful opportunity, isn't it, to speak to people that don't know God and to tell them about the hope that we can get through him. And also an encouragement to us to um, join our home groups. And as John said before, if you're not in a home group, um, do speak to one of the elders or John or the deacons and they can put you into a home group. It's a real good time to, to spend with fellow Christians, to be encouraged, to learn the Bible and to pray together. I just want to share with you just um, quickly now, I was um, doing my devotion, I'm doing a, a, a Bible reading plan with Steph and something really struck me today and it really challenged me and I just wanted to share it with you. It's, um, it says, Pericles was a prominent an influential Greek statesman in the 3rd century BC. And he is quoted as saying, What you leave behind is not what is engraved on stone monuments, but what is woven into the lives of others. And I found that really challenging uh, this morning as I read it. And I really prayed over it because I was just thinking, you know, when we leave this life, what are we going to leave behind? You know, how much has my life with Christ influenced others around me and been woven into their lives? And unfortunately, not enough sometimes, I think. And I thought to myself, there's so much more I can be doing, speaking and saying to others around and about us, whether it's in Thrive or my parents or my neighbours. You know, they're not going to remember me for, for what I've done and the achievements I made, but I want them to remember me because of the life I live for Christ. But also I want to leave behind knowing that people have had Christ in their lives too. So it's just a challenge really, and it really did challenge me this morning. So just um, have that on your mind. We're going to sing um, this, this evening our first song, My Heart is Filled with Thankfulness um, to Him who bore my pain, who plumbed the depths of my disgrace and gave me life again. And please stand when the music starts.
Well, we're continuing our series through the Beatitudes um, this evening, and Mark is taking up the pure of heart and the, peace keepers, the peacemaker. Sorry. So we're really looking forward to hearing what Mark has to say to us a bit later on. But we're going to have three readings this evening. Um, our first reading you can find in the book of Matthew, and it's chapter 5, and it's verses 1 to 12, and you can find that in your Bibles on page 809, or follow along on the screen behind. So Matthew 5, verses 1 to 12. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor, the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And our second reading we can find in the book of Psalms. So if you turn back to the, the book of Psalms, and you can find that on page 458, four, uh, and it's Psalm 24, and we're reading verses 1 through to 6. So Psalm 24, verses 1 to 6. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing. I've lost my place here, sorry. We'll stand in the holy place. He, he has clean hands and pure of heart. He does not lift up his soul at, um, to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of, of God of Jacob. And then our final reading you can find in Colossians, and that's page 983. And we're going to be reading verses 19 and 20. So Colossians 1, verses 19 and 20. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Amen. And we look forward to Mark explaining that passage from um, Matthew again to us a little bit later on. We're going to be singing again now our second song. And our second song is going to be Reconciled, I'm Reconciled to God Forever. So please stand again when the music starts.
Well, I'm going to pray in a moment, but um, just before I pray, uh, Pete just spoke to me before the service, just to say to me that um, John Mann, his um, father-in-law, has been rushed into um, theatre at the moment. He's got a leak leak on the brain, so we really need to pray for him at this time. So I'll pray for him in a moment, but I'm sure they'd appreciate all our prayers for for him at this, this time. Shall we pray to God? Heavenly Father, we just come before you now and we just pray that we can magnify you. Lord, we just pray that that we can become lower than you and we can lift you up high. Lord, you are such an amazing and wonderful, powerful and almighty God. And yet, you are so willing to stoop down to this world, to be like us, to live among us, to dwell amongst us. And yet, we reviled you, we mocked you, we beat you, we put you upon that cross yet you are still willing to take the punishment on your shoulders on that cross so that we can all be made whiter than snow. Lord, what an amazing saviour we have. What a wonderful God. And Lord, I just pray that each one of us in our walk with you, day by day, will want to grow closer to you, want to know you more deeply, but want to follow your footsteps, to be guided in the light. Lord, there are so many of us that so often walk away from you and turn our face away from you. Yet you are so kind and loving and willing to accept us back even when we have wronged you so many times. And we just thank you for this amazing love towards us. Lord, I pray that as we go through our, our lives and we, we grow and we age, Lord, I pray that you would just teach us and guide us and give us more wisdom day by day. We pray that in our own lives, Lord, that we could magnify you. Whether it's in our homes, with our family, whether it's to our neighbours, to our close friends, or wherever it work, Lord, we just pray that, that Christ will shine through our lives. Lord, I read that, that statement earlier, and it is such a, a challenge, isn't it? Lord, how much of our lives with you shine through us and weave in amongst others around about us, Lord? We just long to, to be able to shine Christ into people's lives. Lord, this world seems so rebellious at this time, so wicked, so against you, yet you're still willing to accept people to come to you, to ask forgiveness, and you give them that free gift. Lord, we just pray that that as we meet people day by day, that you will encourage us and open up opportunities to be able to speak Christ to them. Lord, this world is in such need of Christ, more than it ever has been, it seems, with what we hear and see on the news day by day. But Lord, we know that you are a great God, you are a mighty God, and you still work, Lord. We cannot... Um, put you in any box at all, Lord. You are still the same God today that you were when you're performing those miracles in Jesus' time, when you're parting the Red Sea, when you're providing manna in the desert, Lord. You are no different. You're that same loving God. Heavenly Father, we, we just pray that as Mark speaks to us this evening, Lord, we pray that you would speak through him. We pray that your Holy Spirit would help us to understand this passage that Mark is explaining to us. And that it would be an encouragement and a challenge to us. But most importantly, that we'd see Christ through it. Lord, some of us might be even sitting in this um, chapel now and not really listening and being switched off. I pray those that are feeling like that will be awoken, that their ears will prick up, that their hearts will be open to hear this message that is going to be spoken this evening. Lord, we thank you so much that that it is not in Mark's power that he speaks, but that it's in yours. And we pray that you would really be glorified through that. Lord, we do come before you this evening and we know that you hear and listen to our prayers. And we especially pray for John Mann at this time. 
Lord, we know that he's been rushed into um, the theatre again with a bleed on the brain. And Lord, there's not much that many people can do, but we can pray. And we just pray at this time that those surgeons that are dealing with him, Lord, that you would give them wisdom and understanding on how to deal with this situation in the best way. We are so thankful, God, that you provide us with these surgeons that can do such amazing things now. So we pray especially for John. We pray that you would bring him through this operation. And we especially pray for Chrissy at this time, who must be really worried and really panicked. Lord, we just pray that you would give her comfort at this time, that you would be with her, that you would be her comforter. Lord God, we we think about the people that can't be with us today. We think about the elderly or those that are in homes away from us, Lord, or those that haven't been well. We especially remember them. We pray that you'd still encourage them as they tune in and listen. We pray that you'd encourage them as they pick up their Bible day by day. And we're just so thankful that even though they might be away from us here and they might spend many hours on their own, Lord, they have a God that sticks closer than a brother and that is always with them. And we especially remember Philip at this time, Lord. We're, we're so sad to not have him sitting in this congregation with us at the moment. But Lord, we know that you are with him now. And we just pray that you continue to be with him, comfort him and encourage him. Lord, help him to realise that, that there are people here that love him so much. And Lord, more than that, he has a saviour that loves him more than anything. Lord God, we thank you for this morning, for everything that has taken part, whether it's been the services this morning or communion. And we especially thank you for Thrive and for Rooted. Such an encouragement again, Lord, to see these young children come in and young people. And Lord, we just long to see more. We long to see more come, but most importantly, we long to see Jesus work in their lives. Lord, we just pray that even at a young age, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would work, that you would bring them to realise that this world is full of sins and that each person that has ever set foot on this world is a sinner and needs to have a saviour to forgive them. And we pray that they would find that in Jesus Christ. But as I speak about the young people and the teenagers, Lord, I just pray that you would remember Joshua Jemson's family at this time. Lord, that that young lad that lost his life um, this week, Lord, it's just a reminder that how quickly life can change. Lord, we think that that we know everything that we know best, especially when we're younger. We think that we're invincible. We think that we can take on the world. But sometimes the world fights back. And Lord, in an instant, our life can be over just like that. And it's so important to remember now is the day to seek the Lord. Lord, don't put it off. Come to Jesus now. He calls us to. And he does give us true forgiveness. And Lord God, I do pray for that family at this time. You can't even begin to imagine um, what it must feel like for the loss of your child. But I thank you so much that you are a great God and a comforting God. And I'm so thankful that they know you and they can find peace and solace in you. So at this sad time, Lord, do draw close and near to them. Be their strength, be their shield at this time, we pray. So, Lord God, do be with us as we continue to to worship you this evening. Again, I pray that if any are feeling sleepy or switched off now, I pray, Lord God, that you would wake them up and stir them up. We pray this all in in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We're going to sing our third song, and then afterwards, Mark is going to be coming up to, to take our message. So our third song this evening is Love Divine, All Love's Excelling. And again, please stand when the music starts.
once again. So this evening we're carrying on in our series in the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes means blessed, uh, to uh, be a a state of uh, true happiness. Uh, And and just a reminder that uh, these eight different Beatitudes are not sort of eight descriptions of different people, but these are to be eight descriptions of someone who is in the kingdom of God. This is what someone in Jesus' kingdom is to be like. If you were here last week, we looked at blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And I just wonder whether that's had an impact on you this week, if you were here last week. Has that been something that's been on your mind as you've gone through the week? Have you thought about how you could be merciful to others? Have you delighted in the fact that God will show you mercy one day? Well, tonight we're looking at two Beatitudes, going back to two again. We've got to number six, firstly, and we find it in Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. wonder how many of you have had a shower or a wash today. I won't get you to put up your hands, don't worry. Hopefully, all of us have had one at least fairly recently. It's good to keep clean, isn't it? We scrub our arms, we scrub our legs. wonder how many of you scrubbed your hearts this morning. Jesus says, blessed are the pure or the clean. But he doesn't just say that. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. See, Jesus doesn't just care about what we look like on the outside, just about what we do. He cares about our hearts. Imagine a a bride on her wedding day and she sees the groom for the first time and his hair is immaculate. The suit just fits so well. It looks really good on him. He smells amazing and she is so happy. And, and he gets up to her and he says, look, I'm, I'm happy to go with it, but um, just to let you know I don't love you anymore. Well, how is she going to feel? She's going to feel heartbroken, isn't she? You know, the Pharisees that Jesus is talking to are a little bit like that. They, they look amazing, very impressive on the outside. They put so much energy into their religious activity. So much energy into the the washing of hands and the washing of all sorts of things and their rituals. And they're so careful with their tithing. I don't know whether you remember, back during COVID, Luke did a a children's talk. It was when it was on camera. And he had the the different um, herbs and he was sort of counting the leaves and picking off every tenth leaf, you know, of the the herb. You know, they, they were so impressive on the outside. Looked so good squeaky clean on the outside, but later in Matthew, Jesus describes them as cups and dishes that are clean on the outside, but dirty on the the inside. They had so much sin in them, there wasn't really love for God in there. And then he says, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. That's quite the insult, isn't it? 
but it's true. In Matthew 15, Jesus tells us why the heart is so important, why he cares about it so much. He says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. You see, the Pharisees spent all their time washing their hands, being outside, uh, sorry, clean on the outside, not wanting to be defiled. That was their big thing. Oh, we, we are clean. We're not defiled. And Jesus says, no, it's, it's what comes from the heart that defiles you. It's what comes from the inside that defiles you. It's your heart that needs washing. You know, the tragedy of the Pharisees is that they spent all their time sort of burdening the people with these super strict rules. In fact, they came up with many more of their own super legalistic and so the people just felt burdened they felt like being able to do everything was just impossible but they were overwhelmed by this this guilt and and there was no hope for them where Jesus doesn't burden people with more rules in fact he came to set us free but in a different way he shows too the, the impossibility of having a pure heart Remember what he says, well-known words, but he says you might not have murdered, but actually if you've hated someone, then you've committed murder in your heart. You may not have committed adultery, but actually if you've lusted after someone, then you've committed adultery in your heart. And in Proverbs 9, this is the question that's asked. Who can say, I have made my heart pure? Who can say, I am clean from my sin? Of course, the answer is no one. No one can, can look at their heart and go, yes, that's pure. I, I'm, I'm happy with that. So do we give up? Do we say, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God? Well, no one's pure in heart, so no one's going to see God. Is that kind of our response? Well, no. And the reason is, is because of what God's done. And, and this is what he says in Ezekiel 36, this, this wonderful prophecy. It's true for us now. This is what God says to us. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. See, God is the one that can give us a pure heart. He gives us a pure heart and then he comes and he lives inside us and he gives us the ability and the power to be able to live in obedience to him. So how do we receive this this heart that, that God gives? Simply by faith in Jesus. That's all it takes. Faith in Jesus. Asking Jesus to clean our hearts, to give us a new heart. That's all we need to do. And Jesus loves to do it. You know, coming to church doesn't give you a pure heart. Going to Rooted, Action, YPs doesn't give you a pure heart. Making sure you do your Bible readings every day doesn't give you a pure heart. Learning memory verses doesn't give you a a pure heart. Belting out Christian songs in your car doesn't give you a pure heart. 
Not watching those dodgy films or sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend doesn't give you a pure heart. They're good things, but they don't give you a pure heart. Jesus is the only one that can give us a pure heart. You know, when we put our faith in Jesus, we're given a pure heart. But we know, don't we, that so often, uh, as Christians, people who have put our faith in Jesus, so often our, our, our life and our heart doesn't reflect that reality where we feel so impure. And so we're called, we're encouraged, we're challenged to live lives that reflect the reality of, of what we are. Paul was desperate to live a life that was pure before God. This is what he says in, in 2 Corinthians 7, he cries out, Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves, or the NIV says, purify ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Well, we live in an incredibly impure world, don't we? And we live in a world that mocks purity and that just doesn't get it at all. But Paul wants his heart to become more and more pure, to become more and more focused on Jesus, to to get rid of the sin that is in his life and to be more like Jesus. David was another person, wasn't he? Another person who, who wanted to, to live for God and, and to have his heart as something that loved God, that was pure. He says in Psalm 19, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He so wanted his heart to be right before God. Is that what you want? Can you say that? That's your heart's desire to be pure before God, cleansed from sin. Well, maybe some of us need to pray that that God will give us a desire for a pure heart. You know, even David, he's the man who's described as a, a man after God's own heart. Even David failed spectacularly, didn't he, with Bathsheba? What does he cry out in Psalm 51? Creating me a clean heart, O God. Wash me and I'll be clean. You know, as Christians we will fail, but we need to cry out to God. He delights to give us a pure heart. So that is how we can have a a pure heart. But what does it say? For they shall see God. For they shall see God. You know, ever since Genesis 3, we've been separated from God, haven't we? Back in Genesis 3, they, they walked around with God in the garden. They were in his presence. And then suddenly there was that division. that Sin came into the, the world. No more to be in God's presence. No more to, to see God. But now the pure can look forward to seeing God again. And I think there are at least three different ways that we can see God, that the pure in heart can see God. Three different ways, just quickly. Firstly, you may remember Jesus' conversation with the disciples and and Philip asked a question where he says, I want to see the Father, show us the Father. And what does Jesus say? He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You see, the pure in heart realise that Jesus is God. The Pharisees never got that. 
They thought Jesus was blaspheming, they put him to death because they never saw him as God. But as the, the pure in heart, as we look on Jesus, we see him as God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus once again walking amongst us on earth. So we can see God in Jesus. We can also see him in our lives. You know, as we live more like him, as we seek to be more like him, we experience more of him in our lives. We see him more clearly at work in our lives. One of the things you notice if you chat to, maybe especially older Christians, but Christians who are really godly, what do you notice about the sort of things they say? So often they talk about what they can see God doing in their life. How they know God is with them. They can see with the eye of faith what God is doing. And the more they see of God in their life, the more they see God at work, the more they rejoice. And it's just this cycle of, of worship. Well, that's all special. But it gets even better than that. The third way, we'll see him with our eyes. 1 Corinthians 13, for now we see in a mirror dimly. It's this idea of mirrors back then weren't so good. You know, sort of this, a bit of a picture of God, but it's not very clear. But Paul says one day we're going to see him face to face. You know, we've remembered that, that sin in the garden brought this separation from God. That there was this curse on, on the earth. But in Revelation, uh, you see the river of life. And the river of life heals the, the earth from the curse. And it says, no longer will there be anything accursed. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. You know, that will be a glorious thing, seeing God. Does that excite you? You know, if it doesn't, it's because we've, we've misunderstood God completely. This is what they longed for throughout the whole Bible, to see God. And Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. To see God and not be afraid. To see God and not feel the terror of sin, but to just bask in his goodness and his glory. You know, my prayer for each and every one of us, is that we'll have the curse lifted from us. And that each and every one of us will see God face to face and enjoy his goodness and his glory. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And then the next one, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Well, once again, we need to get this the right way around. This isn't saying that anyone who is a peacemaker will be a son of God. You know, there will be Nobel Peace Prize winners who are not sons of God. But Jesus is saying that sons of God will be peacemakers. If we're in the kingdom of God... We should be peacemakers because our Heavenly Father is the ultimate peacemaker. God is the ultimate peacemaker. Remember in Colossians 1, some of us heard it in, in communion this afternoon, he has made peace with us by his blood on the cross. At great expense to himself, he brings peace 
to us. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says that in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. You see, Jesus takes on our trespasses so that he can reconcile us, the guilty ones, he can reconcile us to him. Last week we saw that God loves to show mercy. This week we see that God loves to bring peace. God is a God who loves to bring peace. And the sort of peace that God brings isn't the sort of peace that is just sort of not at war, not animosity. The peace that, uh, that God brings is this shalom peace, this everything's well peace, everything is good, there is wholeness, there is blessedness. God is the ultimate peacemaker. And so we are to be peacemakers. We're to be like him. And if we do that, we will be called the sons of God, we'll be like God. And I just want us to think about two ways, two ways that we can be peacemakers. Two ways that we can be peacemakers. First one is by spreading the gospel of peace. So the first way to be a peacemaker is to spread the gospel of peace. We've just seen that in Christ God reconciled us to him. The very next verse in 2 Corinthians 5, it says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You see, Paul was an ambassador for Christ and we're called to be ambassadors for Christ. To share this message of reconciliation, to share this message of peace with the world, with those around us. This is, this is the real peace. This is the real peace that the world needs. And as the, the gospel of peace takes root in people's lives, it creates peace where they are. You know, I was chatting with James Russell um, this morning after he did his children's talk. You may remember in the children's talk when he was talking about, you know, if you haven't eaten for two days and someone said about being angry and he sort of said, yeah, a few years ago I'd have been, you know, really angry. And I was just chatting about it with him afterwards and he was just saying that, you know, he's changed so much by God's grace. And like all of us, he's a work in progress. But, you know, back then it was kind of, if someone looked at him funny, he sort of would have a go at them. And now, what's his attitude? Where is now he, he wants to form peace if he can. You see, the, the gospel has an impact on people's lives. It takes root and it, and it grows peace. And maybe some of you have had a similar experience. And maybe you've seen it in other people's stories where you've seen that the gospel have an impact. And, and where the gospel has grown, so has peace. So we can be peacemakers by sharing the gospel of peace because it as it changes lives, it creates peace. But I think it's also important to add here that sometimes as we share the gospel of peace, it doesn't always lead to peace, especially initially. There's a lot of people in this world that hate the gospel. There's a lot of people that find it very offensive. And it doesn't mean then that we say, well, we so want peace that, that we won't say the gospel. You know, you know, what happened when Jesus shared the gospel of peace? Well, there was uproar and they killed him. What happened when Paul shared the gospel of peace? 
There were riots going on all over the place. And next week we'll look at, God willing, blessed are the persecuted. Maybe one of the reasons people are being persecuted and maybe one of the reasons we might be persecuted is because we're sharing the gospel of peace. But we preach the gospel of peace because we know when people hear it, when people accept it, when it takes root in people's lives, it leads to real peace. And it creates the sort of peace that is is a foretaste of heaven on earth. So how can we be peacemakers? Well, one way is by sharing the gospel of peace. But secondly, by acting as a peacemaker. By acting as a peacemaker. I've been listening to a podcast uh, this week. It probably makes me sound much more intelligent than I am. Um, It's it's a very short one and simple one. But it's a podcast on the the Cuban Missile Crisis and the Cold War. And um, just how it has its roots back in the atomic bombs that were dropped on Japan um, at the end of the Second World War. And one of the comments in it was, basically, as the Second World War ended, so another war began. And you just see it throughout history, don't you? War after war after war. You know, we've had remarkable peace in the, in the UK, haven't we, for so many years. But what have been the, the dominant headlines over the past couple of years? It's all been about war, hasn't it? You know, you look at the news today and it's all about war and tension. We live in a world of conflict, don't we? Someone once said, Washington in the US has lots of peace monuments. They build one after each war. You know, we see war and conflict on on the world's stage, don't we? You see it just escalating. But we see it at sort of every level, don't we? At every level of humanity, every sort of group size, as it were, there is conflict. It, It might not be sort of war as such, but there is upset, there's tension. In the book of James, he says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You see, the the problem is, is that these wars and these these problems are not sort of out there problems. These problems are in here. They're, They're in all of us. And so wherever humans are, there will be conflict as it sort of comes out of us. This is why, one of the reasons why we need God to give us a pure heart. This is why we need the peace of God to transform our our hearts. But it means that in all our interactions with people, you know, whether at work or at home, or or wherever we are, we're we're likely to encounter conflict or upset or tension of, of some sort. You know, if I was to say to you, when was the last time that you experienced or at least saw an element of conflict or tension or upset between people? Well, I don't expect many of us would have to go very long ago to, to think of a time when we, when we saw that or experienced it. Because it's everywhere, isn't it? And as Christians, we are called to be peacemakers. To be peacemakers whenever we can be. To build bridges whenever we can, to choose harmony over hostility, to as much as we possibly can, Paul says, to live peaceably with all people. Do you love peace? Do you value peace? 
You know, God loves peace. God loves making peace. It should be something that we love too. It should be something that we seek to to make. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A whisperer separates close friends. You see how easily words can stir up, can cause conflict, tension. A a rush text in in the heat of the moment can cause so much damage, can't it? A leader who doesn't listen to their team, well, it's not going to lead to a very peaceful team, is it? Someone who criticises and, and fault finds is not going to be someone who's creating peace. Always having to be right, always having to go with your idea, always thinking you're the best. It's not going to lead to peace. There's so many things we do can lead to conflict, whether that's a sort of obvious result or a more subtle result. But we are called to be peacemakers. To be peacemakers. Maybe it will help us to to think through our actions and our words and think, is there a way that I'm causing conflict? Or actually, is there... Uh, There are things I'm doing that are actually making peace. Am I a peacemaker? Uh, Sometimes being a peacemaker can be really costly. It can be really difficult. You think about, I mean, Jesus. The ultimate cost. Sometimes being a peacemaker means that we have to take the sting of something ourselves and not get the vengeance we, we crave, to be honest. Yeah, last week I was talking about mercy and I referred to some of the, the, the verses that Jesus said just after the, the, the Beatitudes. I'm going to refer to it again and you'll see why in just a, a second. Do you remember Jesus says, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, pray for those who persecute you. Why, why does Jesus say this? Well, or, or why am I quoting this as well? Well, it, partly because it brings peace, doing those things brings peace. But also, what does it say Jesus says, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. You see the link there? It should be called sons of God's. Love your enemies so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. You see, Jesus is the great Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. And he loved his enemies. He loved us. And he brought us peace. And now we are to seek to do the same thing as him. And we will have that, the joy and the privilege of being called sons of God too. And, and we can look forward to the day when our older brother, as it were, the, the prince of peace, will come and will enforce peace on this world. And, and he will bring in a peace in the new creation which cannot be ruined, which cannot be threatened. He is the Prince of Peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Well, what a wonderful promise. So those are the the two Beatitudes that we've been looking at this evening. I hope that you can remember them, think about them during the week. Pure and peacemakers, hopefully fairly easy to remember. 
And in terms of the reward as well, also quite easy to remember, two S's, seeing God and being called sons of God. That, that special privilege of being a son of God. Well, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, that you are the one who delights to give us a new heart. Lord, even as we rebel against you consistently, Lord, you promise that you will give us a new heart so that we can be pure before you and so that we can obey you properly. And I pray that each and every one of us would cry out to you for a pure heart and that we may be so excited about the prospect of seeing you in all your glory and goodness and that that will be a great delight for us. And Lord, I thank you that you are the ultimate peacemaker and at great cost to yourself, Lord, you have given us peace. And I pray, Lord, that we would share that gospel of peace with others, but I pray as well that we too may be like God and that we may be peacemakers at whatever cost it is to ourselves so that people may know the wonderful peace that you give. And Lord, we thank you that one day Jesus as the Prince of Peace will come and bring peace to the earth and we will be sons of God. So Lord, we thank you for these wonderful things and I pray that it would impact us as we go into the next week and month. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to sing. Uh, It's a song that particularly links to the first Beatitude that we looked at. And uh, it's a song, for many of us it's also a prayer. So when the music starts, let's stand and sing.
Lord God, I thank you again for your word, and I pray that as we go away from this place, Lord, that it would not be snatched away, but that it would be something that embeds itself in our hearts and in our minds, and has a real impact on us, for your honour and your glory alone. In Jesus' name, Amen.